Father of content marketing. And while Joe Polizzi is the entrepreneur who founded the Content Marketing Institute, one of the marketing industry's most well read and well respected media publications in history, he has now taken his entrepreneurial journey in a whole new direction, writing his very first fiction novel, The Will to Die. And today on the podcast, we don't just dissect some of the best practices of marketing and content and all that good stuff that Joe knows inside and out and that you're absolutely going to love. But we dive into some of the mindset that it takes to transition from one entrepreneurial endeavor to another, especially one that goes from more of a uh, kind of real world, um, you know, marketing tactics to a more creative fictional world of writing a thriller novel. Today we have Joe Polizzi on the podcast and it is just absolutely my honor to share him with you. Let's do this. I'm good. I'm good. I got my little well, um, here. So, you know, I know you got the the new book out and I obviously want to ask you a lot of questions about that and go through sure. that, but like is there anything else that you want to talk through? I mean, I have a bunch of, um, I want to talk through what you, what you like, whatever you, cause you're, I mean, you're doing some great stuff. I mean, from what I've been catching. Well, I don't you're know like about prof- that. But prolific. Trying. Well, you're creating a lot of content, especially on um, Instagram. That's where yeah. I've been seeing you on Instagram. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm trying to find my place. Um, you know, I, I took a job as the CEO of a fitness company. So I stepped out of marketing for a while um, and it was in my hometown and it was kind of one of those things that, that comes to you and you're like, is this going to be a really bad decision or is this like fate putting something in front of you that you have to say yes to? So um, I said yes and took it on and it ended up being that thing that I shouldn't have done, which is okay. Really? Yeah. So when did, when did, so I took the job in, um, January, uh, left, left, uh, you know, my, my, I was a chief marketing officer for a technology company and and obviously was doing a lot of other stuff just in the space. And, um, and that was January. And I ran that company until September, at which point the founder came back in and said, I want to be the CEO now thank you for your time. Have a nice day. And uh, so it was like, okay. (laughs) So I learned some valuable lessons there, which is all good, all good in the hood. Um, But yeah, so basically coming back into the space and um, finally doing what I probably should have done a decade ago, starting the kind of marketing company that I, that I wanted to start all those years ago and never did. uh, I've just been creating like crazy, man. I mean, you know this, like sometimes the floodgates open and it's like, There's no way to repress it. So I've been doing social media, an article, a video a week, a couple podcasts a week. I've just been nuts. Do you have a newsletter? Yeah, so I actually just, um, I just, I'm, I'm reworking it. So what, how I had said it set up was kind of like Seth Godin's where just when I published something on the website, yep. it went right out to them. And um, 
so I've just been watching my stats and basically what, what ended up happening was people were finding me in other places, didn't want me to fill up their inbox. And I was getting about 15 unsubscribes every time I would publish a new piece of content. Okay. And literally people would be writing me notes. Like I'm unsubscribing to this because I follow everything on LinkedIn yeah, or I'm unsubscribing I to this guy, follow everything on Twitter. So I sent out an email last week and I said, this is our current setup uh, based on just what I'm seeing in terms of your, you know, how people are operating with this. It doesn't feel like this is the best way of delivering, you know, of, of using email as a way to communicate with you. And the feedback I got was that's a hundred percent true. So everyone basically said, we'd rather like a roundup email once a week with maybe some insights or some exclusive stuff or whatever, yeah. like that's, that's what we're looking for out of this um, medium. Uh, so I'm, I'm changing that up. Well, yeah, I mean, the, it's weird because with everything I'm doing here, I'm starting, you know, I, I, I sold the 200,000 emails, we, <laughs> which was fine. I'm not complaining, but I'm starting over now with this whole thing and building an audience around the book. And so I started the e-newsletter and now it's now that I'm putting out content in all these different channels, but I have the one hook. Yeah. Which is get them to sign up for the e-newsletter. And that's starting to work. We're doing, I'm doing about 47, 48% open rate consistently. Nice. It's working really well, but it's different. Like it is a different experience. You won't, you won't get it anywhere else. You just get, it's just like Ann Hanley. I'm basically copying Ann's model. Yeah. Which if you're going to copy anyone, right? Well, you know, she, I mean, I wanted, I, I asked her, I said, how did you get, you know, I'm where she was four years ago with her starting hers. Yeah, And now she's, you know, got 20,000 and working yeah. really well and can monetize and do whatever she wants to do with it. Yeah. So, yeah. So that's, it's worked, it's worked for me. I now I'm getting, you know, I'm getting five or six or seven subscribers a day. You know, hopefully it'll start really kicking into gear sometime soon. So. Can I, can I ask you about um, like your hook for the newsletter? Like, are you letting them know, like, there's exclusive stuff here? Is there uh, downloadable? Is there, you know, are you, yeah, like, the, what is the... If you go, yeah, I mean, you can look at, I'm it's totally an open book. So you go to joepolizzi.com, all my calls to action are around the, yeah, yeah. the, random, the random newsletter. And you get, you get my, you know, three success tips to life and and marketing and that's right there it's a 22 minute uh, audio thing that i put together really easy to do and then if you sign up for the book stuff as well you get a free book chapter so that's how i'm doing that yeah that's cool and um yeah and then everything is that and i tell them exactly you're going to receive it every other thursday and it, and it here's what it talks about you know month writing marketing and money is what i talk about and kind of random stuff that i think is interesting yeah. And so far, I'm surprised. So far, it's I get more people with nice feedback on that than almost anything I've done, which is nice. I just right now I so I built the the base of it, and now I've just gotta yeah put the marketing juices on and see where it goes. So that's really interesting. Um, one of the things that I've struggled with is uh, what you know, what I can get paid for and what I'm most interested in are two completely different things, right? Like have the family, got to pay the bills, got to make the money. And that comes from marketing, consulting, speaking workshops. Like that's how I get paid. The things that I'm the most interested in and the things that I like writing, researching, like diving into 
not that I'm not interested in marketing, I am, right? But it's like it's not your passion. Well, it's you know. What do you like? So, what do you most like writing about and researching about? I love diving into human behavior and how do we get the most out of ourselves not so much like habit hacks like james clear and stuff like that stuff's cool and i definitely am into it but i'm like so far down like ryan holiday's stoic trail mashing that up against like jordan peterson and and being an individual with like just you know how do we have our own thoughts like there's so much stuff smashed against our face every single day like, how do we actually operate as our own unique people? Because, you know, a hundred years ago, even though, yeah, there were plenty of distractions and people wrote about all the distractions of that day, there was still so much less, so significantly much less about um, what the world threw at you that you were able to at least operate in your own head for small bits. And yeah. when I talk to people, oftentimes, you know, this is the question like I, I have a book that I'm, I'm starting to work on and really the initial question was like, why do we hesitate? Like, why do people hesitate to do anything? Because I've been pounding insurance agents over the head for a decade to do very simple things, right? Like, like I've been teaching They Ask You Answer before Marcus wrote that stupid book. And, which I love, by the way. You know what I mean? Like, like you know, I always bust his chops because I'm like, there's a decent chance that I taught you, they ask you answer. You're just so freaking smart that you're the one that wrote the book. Now, uh, no, it, uh, but probably true. Yeah. No, that's actually how we found each other. We were doing similar things. And I was like, Oh my God, look at this pool guy doing that. Like yeah. we must be onto something. But, um, you know, I, and, and, and then I would talk to these agents and I'd say, man, I've been teaching you guys this for a decade. Like, and, and nobody's doing it. Like still no one's doing it. And then starting to hear their responses. Then that put me down this trail. I started researching stuff and, Long story short, I'm like, marketing tactics are great and I love them and I could talk tactics all day long. But none of that, not knowing the tactics is not the reason that people are not successful marketing. Like that's, yeah. the tactics are not, are never the issue. They're, they're a symptom of what the issue is. That's my, I don't know. Okay. Here's Does that make sense what I'm saying? Yes, it makes perfect sense. Here's my take. So I just, so if I'm you, I would mash those two together. The, I'm not going to say call it the stoic marketer. Yeah, yeah. But there's not a lot of people out there. So you know marketing, right? And then you're really interested in this other side. So why don't you just take all that that you're really passionate about and just position it to the marketing professional? There's not a lot out there. You could be the guy yeah. that talks about that. And then that way it fulfills your... Uh, creative side that you really want to focus on because this, and then all you're doing is you're just saying, you're just not putting it out to everyone. You're just saying, I'm going to put it out to these people that I already know really well. And that can still drive your marketing consultancy business and how you get paid. And if you do it well, which you will, then that becomes your, that's your speaking. Yeah. It, and you can still drive consulting revenue by speaking about this is how marketers need to think, act, behave yeah. in the society that we're in. See, that's why I do this podcast, free consulting from people who are smarter than <laughs> I'm <podcast>. serious. <laughs> I mean, I, I was like, while you were talking, I was getting chills. I'm like, oh my God, that's his tilt. That, yeah. That's what I, Ryan needs I agree to focus with you. on. 
I agree with you. I would say I feel like I've executed it very poorly thus far. Um, I like it. Like you, you're. I know you're right. Um, right now, it has felt very this side or that side, right? Like I wrote this article the other day, and again, this is we're just chatting. Then this is probably Joe Pulitzi, just, my We probably should have just hit record. I, we, I already did. I already did. Oh, I got okay. Something. Good. Then you could just you could just do the whole thing. <laughs> This is really just a solo podcast. That's it. It's just an audience of one. <laughs> oh man. The uh, you know, I just it's just funny these things though. And and to hear you say like you're restarting again, it like brings up a lot of memories because I very much felt that way. Like at my previous before the iteration in between when I when I had the the CEO job, I went from like I had built an audience of like almost twenty thousand people, just an email. We were doing we're doing fit, almost close to 50,000 unique visitors to our website a month, just insurance content, just yeah. insurance people. So like we had built this audience where, dude, I was doing marketing videos specifically designed for insurance agents and getting 3,000, 4,000 views on a, an individual video. Then you, then I go, <laughs> so then I go from that to net to like, you know, three months ago and I post my first video kind of post this little break and it gets like 200 views. And I'm just like, Wah, wah, wah. <laughs> you gotta start well you gotta start over i know it was just funny hearing it's, you say that but oh hey, um, hey um when when robert and i restarted this old marketing the first episode so we're, we're on our i don't know 12th or 13th back yeah. since we took so we did 200 yeah yeah and now we're back to this and the first one because we were back and everything it did great and i'm like oh my god you can take a year and a half off yeah, exactly. and it's all fine and then it dropped yeah, and I'm like, oh, geez, I'm gonna have to actually work at this. This is, yeah. a, I've got to work to get the audience back. So I was really, I wasn't devastated, but I'm like, oh my god, this is we. They went somewhere else. Yeah, you know, and and the other things that I found. So I'm just, and again, I'm interested in your takes on this because it just feels like, to, in 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 certain regards, we're in similar spots. Um, like. So my very first podcast was Content Warfare. I built that up. That I was looking at numbers. I was doing that podcast like in 2011, 2012. Creating a podcast, we're just distributing a podcast in 2019 going into 2020. It is uncomparable to what it was like distributing a podcast back in 2011, 2012, 2013. Like it's, it's not even close. The, the amount of competition and high quality, like really high quality competition in the marketplace yeah. is is crazy. I mean, and it's awesome. I mean, I listen to a lot of those podcasts, but there was a time when content warfare was one of like 30 marketing podcasts. Oh yeah. I still and now there's 300,000. I still have it on my iTunes list. Oh, you know what? And I got, I, here's what I need to do too. Again, <laughs> we're going to talk about your stuff eventually. I promise. That's okay. Um, is I want to, I'm going to put out, I've actually been thinking, I need to start putting out a couple unique episodes to that. Cause that still gets about a hundred downloads a day. Uh, and I need to put some stuff out to that list and say, Hey guys, like this is moving over here. I'm never going to take it down. Cause people, no, 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 so, no. Here's my idea. Don't move it. Just keep that because you keep all the subscribers that way. Now, if you change the name and you change the image, that's fine. But the great thing is if you, if you have a new episode coming out, it goes right to the top. Yeah. I'm already subscribed. Don't tell, don't have people move when they don't have to just say, Hey, this is whatever you get all the subscribers don't, don't and don't relaunch my friends this is why uh, <laughs> Joe has often been described as the godfather of content marketing because 
these are the stupid mistakes that I would have made if we weren't talking today. So, all right, man, like I want to talk a little bit about, there's so many things about your, your journey that I'm interested in. So you founded Content Marketing Institute and for so long, you literally sat at the beating heart epicenter of all things content marketing, the, the, the digital marketing revolution, whatever we want to call it, evolution, like, like all things pass through, you know, your ecosystem. And, and, and I mean that in a very positive way, like you, you, you knew the players, you helped them, you put a lot of people on stages that got them, um, that got their message in front of uh, a lot of people who really needed to hear them. Um, and I've always very much respected you for, for how hard I feel like you've worked to launch many of the really thoughtful people in our industry. Um, and, and that's just incredible work. Uh, you, you then um, uh, sold that company and now you've transitioned into this next phase. And I'm really interested in um, not so much your decision to, to, to sell because I, I completely under, understand that part. And I think anyone in business would. I'm interested in just like more that next day. Like when you wake up that next day and now that part of your life, which was a decade of probably what you thought about every morning when you woke up, um, you know, now that is someone else's and, and not that it's not part of who you are, it will be forever, but now it's the next phase. Like, what is that day like for you? What are you thinking about? Like, what, what was that like? Well, first of all, thank you. For, first of all, the next day came a year and a half later. Okay. So you got to remember, you know, we sold in June of 2016 and my wife and I owned the business. We were really, really ecstatic about the whole thing. UBM, great company. We knew we did our research. We knew they were going to take care of content marketing world. They're going to take care of the brand. They were going to take care of the employees. All that was great. But then you have something that's yours. And then I still worked there for a year and a half. And I'm not giving the orders anymore. Yeah, yeah. So from that standpoint, being an entrepreneur, as you know, you know, you get a little itchy. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it wasn't until January 1st of 2018 that I was like, wow, we did it. Yep. You know, we, that's when we really had the celebration. I don't know. It's, it probably sounds weird to say that because we had already sold. Uh, we were already compensated for the majority of that. So all that was great. Then... So basically, so just going back a little bit, go to November of 2017. I, I wrote, I penned my blog post to the content marketing community on the CMI site. It was called the love letter to the community. And I typed why I was leaving and I was going on to something else. And I didn't really say what that something else was. And then everybody's like, Joe, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? I, it was weird, right? I'm like, I don't know. I don't know what the next phase is going to be. Yeah. I had to be honest. And that's where I got this whole sabbatical idea. And I talked over with my wife and I read a lot on taking a sabbatical. And I said, nobody gets an opportunity to do something like this. Let's just do, let's go big here. I'm going to take a year off of doing no work and nothing that I don't want to do and not taking any speaking gigs and all that kind of stuff. And so January 1st, I did that. I started telling people, I'm going to do nothing. I'm going to take the year off and be with the kids, be with the family, be around, be present. And then the first 30 days of that, I took the electronics free sabbatical. So no social media, no email, went completely offline except for messaging with my kids and stuff like that. And then the other 11 months, that's when I started to get into the creative side of, you know, 
I want to challenge myself a little bit and do something different. And, you know, sort of started writing, writing the will to what became the will to die. Um, so yeah, it was a weird, weird journey. Um, but I'm not, it's like, I was always, I mean, I always loved marketing and I still do love it and I'm interested in marketing, but more, I was interested in being an entrepreneur yeah. and the marketing angle. And maybe you understand this, the marketing angle is just how you get there. That's how we made the money. Uh, and built the brand, but I love the people. I mean, the, the people in the content marketing community are the best ever. I mean, you talked about some, you know, seeing some of these people grow up and become superstars in the marketing area. I mean, they were, I mean, but they haven't changed. These people are still salt of yeah. the earth. You email them, you call them, they'll still do anything for you. I'm just happy to, that they still allow me to stick around. Yeah. Well, you know, that, that part does not surprise me, but um, I, I will, I will reiterate what you said The the people in, in particular, the community that I think gravitated around content marketing world and stuff. Um, I think to do that work, you have to have a level of empathy to, to, to really um, to work with clients who are oftentimes struggling to tell a story, to understand how their business you know, uh, intertwines with their clients, how, how you, how you pull the most value out and deliver it back. Like I, it's really, it would be really tough to be an a-hole and, do, and do that work. It just would be. And, um, and it, it, it I, I would agree with you. It's, it's a tremendous community and, and I'm to a certain extent an outsider, but, uh, but I, I love to, I love to see them. And, um, and I'm lucky enough. I know you're in there too, that the speak and spill community you know, a lot of them are in that community and it's, mm -hmm. it's phenomenal yeah. to be, to be part of that. Well, but, um, it, well, the one reason why to follow up on what you're saying is that if you're in the content marketing industry and you're doing consulting or you are a marketing professional trying to create content, you have to be empathetic. You have to understand the audience's pain points in order to develop the kind of content that's going to make an impact on their lives. Yeah. That's it. Now, Nothing against the ad folks in the world. I know a lot of really good ones, but just, you know, do the whole, go to the whole Mad Men side of the yeah. house. Go to the whole, we're going to create this big campaign, this big interruptive thing. It is way different thinking. So you really do need nice people. Yeah. On the content marketing side. Yeah. Or because, it, because they understand humanity. I, I mean, I don't want to get too deep on it, but it's true. You really do have to, the first thing that you and I do when we go into consulting and we're looking at this we have to say okay well who who it not i don't want to know necessarily what you're selling here i need to know who the audience is yeah and what they're challenged with because that's where you start and then you can figure out down the road what you're going to end up selling but that that's the issue that most people struggle with in marketing marketing's completely changed from that standpoint you don't start with your product anymore i don't i don't yeah. do it. some people still do it that way i don't do it that way i want to start with the audience first it's all about them and then how do we sort of get our message across from a persuasive standpoint once we build a relationship with them? Do you think that uh, going to your kind of advertising madmen comment, do you think that content marketing and some of the, the principles of content marketing have started to uh, leak into the advertising world? To me, I've seen at least in the last year or so, um, it, it sounded to me like, like, like content versus advertising eating content marketing even though i think the advertising budgets are often higher the the principles of content marketing have actually started to eat advertising um yeah. you know if that's happening at all does that do you see any oh yeah i 
You know, somebody asked me years ago, would content marketing just become marketing? And I, I this is back, back in 2008, 2009. I said, yes, I think that, I think that it's just the right way to communicate with people. I mean, get, yeah. get marketing aside, this is how you should communicate with other human beings. You should be thoughtful. You should care about what they care about. You should try to provide value outside the products and services you sell. Just very simple. Okay, now go to today. Look at Procter & Gamble, right? Procter & Gamble has turned that advertising machine on its head. And what are they now doing in their 30-second spots? They're doing tutorials. And it's around this brand called Homemade Simple. Well, people don't realize that's a content marketing brand that they started back in 2008 or something like that. And they started it with a blog and an e-newsletter. And now they've created it and then they've integrated it into their ad program. And now they have a product line called Homemade Simple. And they've got a whole research facility around. I'm like, brilliant. This is the way that it should be. Is Procter & Gamble alone in this? No. I mean, that's, that's what we'll see. I mean, we've sort of seen Red Bull go into that area. We've sort of seen, you know, Aero Electronics go into that area. But we'll, we'll start to see more of that happening as we go because... How is it going to work if you, if you don't yeah. do that? I'm just going to throw the 30-second spot. It's still alive. It's not going to die anytime soon, but it's a lot harder than it used to be. Yeah. So I'll be honest with you. Just watching. My, so my son turned six today. and oh, uh, Congratulations. Uh, Happy birthday. Yeah. I'm, I, it does feel like an achievement that I've kept him alive this long, to be honest with you. Uh, it is, the, it the, is for uh, all of us fathers. Right, right. <laughs> It's so much, it's way more his mom than it is me. It's, it's almost uh, 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 in despite of me than it is because of me. There's no doubt. But um, I look at the way he consumes, right? The way that he consumes content in any form. He, he, doesn't, he doesn't care, nor does he even try to learn how to use the regular TV remote. What he wants, he goes, it's Netflix, Amazon Prime, YouTube. He knows how to navigate them via basically via the talk button into the TV. So he presses okay. a button, TV turns on, play. He, he Right now he's super into Michael Jackson. Play Michael Jackson, beat it. Dun, 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 dun. You know, and, and he's okay. dancing around the room. Or uh, the one thing that he wanted for his birthday was Alexa. So we got him the kids account on Amazon Alexa. So hopefully he's not yeah. looking at or listening to crazy stuff. But, yeah. And he can't order any toys or anything. But, but, He'd, just, he'd be sitting there and be going, like, Amazon, play some song from Frozen. Amazon, you know, tell me how long until my birthday. You know, he said, or, you know what I mean? He said that yesterday um, because we, we let him open a present early. That's His birthday great. being the next day. Yeah. You know, so it's like, it's just, it, he is, the way that he consumes is completely content driven. It's, it's to, to try to shove an ad in the way that he views the things that he, the content that he's consuming is it would be impossible. I mean, he literally, an ad came on one 30 second spot on during a bills game the other day, we're watching the bills game and there was like a quick injury and they played one 30 second spot. And he looks at me and goes, dad, these commercials. Oh my <laughs> God. They're so long. It was one 30 second spot it's on this so injury. Timeout. It was crazy. They got no patience for it. No. But you know what's great about what you're saying is, I've been seeing it and I think that, well, I don't know when it's going to be, but it's happening right now, this whole thing about voice. Yeah. This is huge. I mean, they're going to look back in 10, 15 years and say, what were we doing using our fingers to search 
on things. This is crazy. Yeah. I mean, everything is going to go voice, and at least from a business. And I think you have to start thinking about that because who's not going to use this? I mean, I, I get frustrated just if I'm on, you know, I've got a, a Roku. So I'm fiddling around on, let's say, Amazon Prime or Netflix, and I'm going up and or I want to search for something and I don't have my voice set up for it yet. It is frustrating. Yeah. I've got to do the you and then scroll over to the, you know, whatever I'm searching for. Like, oh, geez, I almost think they make that system difficult so that you'll use the voice. I think yeah, the computer's right. like, I don't want you typing things in here. Just tell me what you want me to do. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, that, that's that. But all right. Well, we've, we've spent the first 30 minutes here talking about uh, a bunch of different things, which are interesting, but really what I want to, I want to get into this novel that you wrote because, uh, and, and there's a bunch of parts of it. So um, you are absolutely entrepreneur. You phase out of one entrepreneurial journey and, and you're into the, this next chapter, probably not the last by any regards, but certainly the next. And the thing you decide to do is write a uh, fiction novel, a thriller, uh, The Will to Die. And um, it is like that sexy project that probably every creative wants to do, write a fiction novel, but never actually ends up doing. So uh, talk to me about one, the decision, like, is this something you've always wanted to do? To talking about the process and, and maybe the business of, sure. of, of, of a novel book. Like, I'm just, I'm so interested in it. I, I you want to know about the gut wrenching process. Yes. Yeah. I creating, wanna... creating a fiction novel. Uh, so, first of all, so I've, as you know, I've written five, written or yep. co written five nonfiction marketing business books. A couple did fairly yep. well and whatever. Some of the best uh, in the business. And well, thank you. But, um, my wife never read any of them. She, she read the acknowledgements page of all of them because she wanted to see what I said about her. Yeah. But that, that's it. And I, I almost took it as a challenge. I really wanted her to read something that I wrote. And I'm like, well, what does she like to read? She likes to read thrillers and mystery novels. That's her, that's her jam. So I'm like, well, if I'm going to get her to read something that I put together and create, I'm going to have to create something for her. Yeah. So that was my thinking. So in January of 18, when I went on this sabbatical, that's the that's when I started writing this thing and getting it together. And I and so that's the primary reason. I really wanted to do something for her. And, and as sappy as it sounds, I wanted to give her a gift. Hopefully she would like it. And then I also wanted to challenge myself uh, creatively, for sure. Because, and I don't want to make it sound, I mean, I've written probably 5,000 blog posts on content marketing. I mean, I've written a lot of stuff on yeah, it. Yeah. It comes very naturally. If you said, Joe, write a content marketing article uh, and it needs to be 1,500 words, I could get that, I'll have that thing done by the time we're done talking and just do a nice edit of it. I've written a lot on it. It's, it's, I don't wanna say it's easy, but it's a lot easier than actually creating a world, which is mm -hmm. what I did in, in The Will to Die. So the process of it, I started in January and I had an idea of a marketing agency guy whose father passes away and ends up taking over a funeral home. Well, I know both those worlds. I come from the marketing side, been in it for over 20 years now. And then I grew up in a funeral home, uh, not in a, didn't live there in a funeral home, but my grandfather and my uncle owned a funeral home. So I was around it growing up all the time. And I'm like, okay, I've got the premise for a story. I know sort of what's going to happen. And I started typing it, typing it up. And then I just stopped. I just, there was no creative juices. I'm like, what am I going to do with this? And I talked to a lot of really smart friends of mine who are writers 
who had written fiction like this. And the consensus seemed to be, at least from the people I was talking to, like, well, put together the outline, you know, put together your, your chapters and get them all set up and then knock out the chapters as you go. And then you put it together and then that's your first manuscript. I'm like, well, you made it sound really easy. I, I drew a blank. I had absolutely nothing. And it was really, and I would sit in front of the computer and just nothing would happen. I couldn't, I couldn't bring the story together from an outline standpoint. And so fast forward like 10 months, not kidding you, of some nine, 10 months of writer's block, nothing. Yeah. And so then, and I, and I apologize because I can't remember who the guest was, but I was uh, listening to, I was running and listening to a James Altucher podcast. I don't know if you listen to James. Oh, I do. Got some really good guests on there. So I really look for the guests and I, mm -hmm. I can't remember which writer was on there, but he was, he was talking about how to get over writer's block. So I'm really, I'm running, I'm really interested. And he says, look, don't, don't overcomplicate it. Just sit in front of whatever, however you write, whether you're with the, written word, paper and pen, or, on, or on a computer processor, and just start writing about anything. Just start writing. And he says, what do writers do? Writers write. So every day you need to write. So set a goal, 250 words, 500 words, 1,000 words to, to write. And I'm like, oh, that seems really easy. I'm going to do that. So first couple of days, I just started writing gibberish, basically, Yeah. for the first couple, just to get to my 500 words. And then I started to get into the rhythm of, of telling the story and it started to come together. And so 500 words, I remember one day, I think I wrote 3,500 words. Like it just was on and I'm going, Oh my gosh, I can't believe it. And I came down. I remember I came down stairs. My office was upstairs, came downstairs to talk to my wife. I was in, you know, typing for hours. And she's, I'm like, Oh, I can't believe it. What the character did today. You'll never guess. And she's like, you didn't know what the character was going to do. I said, I had no idea. It yeah. just it just happened, which is when you get into the flow, those are the kinds of things that were happening. So restarted in October and finished the manuscript uh, January 21st of 2019. So basically, let's say three, four months from when I just got out of my own way. And every day, at least 500 words started to write. And then I think the initial manuscript had almost 100,000 words. and send it to some reviewers, then send it to multiple editors, copywriter, another editor, another review, round of reviews. And I would say the final final was probably April, May that we got to before we got into figuring out who's going to read the audiobook and things like that. And 86,000 words almost on the dot and eight hours and four minutes of narration time for the audiobook. So Wow. That's, Did you read it? No, I tried. I've read the other, I read all my other books. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, okay, well, it's not. And then it's very difficult because you got to sort of do the other voices and the yeah. other mannerisms. So um, we hired a great guy called Kyle Tate, uh, named Kyle Tate. And Kyle did a fantastic job with these voice actors. He's done tons of thrillers. Yeah. And so he took it the rest. Thank goodness. Best money I've ever spent I is that. not reading it myself so i've heard that from other fiction authors that it's not it's not like doing your own with your own with your um with your non-fiction work uh the audience almost prefers for the author to yeah. read it because then you can kind of inject some thoughts and stuff but when it's non-fic or when it's fiction they're like please author don't read it like hire someone who knows what they're doing because it's almost it's like acting it seems yeah, like it is absolutely acting yeah. 
And, yeah. uh, and so I would recommend, you know, if you're ever going to do that, but, but I agree, if you're doing a nonfiction book, try to read it yourself. If you, yeah. if you at all possibly can. So, so in writing non uh, fiction versus nonfiction, I'm sure there's some like obvious things, but what's like one maybe non obvious difference between the two, maybe something that was easier or similar that didn't seem, is there anything that you just said, you know what, that's people wouldn't realize that this happens. Uh, well, the one thing that comes to mind right off the bat about the similarity is the importance of editing. I mean, if you write, whether it's nonfiction or fiction, right off the bat, 25% of that's got to come out because yeah. we always tend to write more than we need to. And that's good. That's with business writing. That's with anything. So most likely if you write anything, you're writing too much and you need to edit, edit this thing. The, the, the difference is, geez, it's, it's, I can't tell you how different it is yeah. in creating a story and creating a world and keeping it straight. I mean, I had notes, you know, I've got these like right here. I've got notes all over the place trying to keep track of the world. Who's in it? What's going on with nonfiction? I mean, you're just telling the truth. With yeah. fiction, you're lying the entire time. <laughs> so you have to keep track of all the lies. Yeah. And it's very difficult to do that, you know. And I, what was, a horrible thing. We almost published it this way, but I caught it on the last run through and, and I'm kicking myself that I didn't catch it earlier. My dates were off. I had, because it all happens in May of the whatever the present year is. And I actually, the way that I did things and I said May 13th or May 9th or whatever I went through and they were off in how the story was working yeah, in yeah, sunrise yeah. and sunset. And I'm like, I can't believe it. Somebody would have called me on that. I, yeah. How did I get that wrong? So those things you really have to keep track of. So my advice is keep like keep track of characters. So write down, okay, well, this is Jack Miller and Jack Miller is this and Jack Miller was born in Texas and Jack Miller, his kids are in, live in Dallas. You know, I, because as you go through, because you talked about that in the beginning, setting up the character. And then at the end, when they come back, you've, you've, you've got to, you know, you'll, you'll either catch it on re-review, hopefully, or you have it in front of you putting together kind of the buyer persona, if you will, yeah. of each of your characters. You know, that's actually why George R. R. Martin never got to book six of the Game of Thrones. So, you know, not to bash on Game of Thrones, but the last two seasons were pretty horrible. And I never watched one episode. So yeah. Two. Well, just what if you, my recommendation would be to read the books and then watch the shows because the first, the books that he wrote are ridiculous. I mean, they're so good. I, I was reading them back in, I used to get made fun of all the time in college because um, I was part of a fraternity and played baseball. And like from the outside, I was like a bro-y jock guy. But really at night, what I would do is go up to my room and read like fiction novels. I love them. I love, especially sci-fi, stuff like that. Yeah. And it was like Hanley reads books with maps. That's it. Like, that was what I, I used to get made fun of all the time. It doesn't matter. So, um, <laughs> so long story short is the reason that he, one of the reasons that he gave for never actually getting to book six and, and each book took like almost logarithmically longer to produce than the book before it was because the world, he had allowed the world to get so big and so expansive that he couldn't keep track of the characters to bring them back in. And yeah. he said at one point he had an army of almost like a thousand readers of Game of Thrones that he would have to call upon. He would send out emails and go, I have no idea what color you know this character's eyes are who lives in this part of the country. You know, and, and it just became like every little detail 
you know, to pull those yeah. back in, it was too big. It was too, the world had gotten too big for him. And it's, uh, it's just really interesting to hear you say that because I, I always thought to myself, like, if having never gone through the process, um, you would you wouldn't think that, and then to hear this guy say that, who you would believe in your mind, you're like, he's so dialed into this world, like you just know yeah. everything. But you know, you can't remember what someone's eye color was from chapter three of the first That's book right. when you're, you know, and so that that makes and, a lot and of plus, sense. And plus, when you're writing, you're in. The, now I know you you go, you know, Martin went through a lot of different revisions of those things, but uh, you know, as you're writing, you're, you're in the zone. You don't yeah. necessarily know. You don't, you might've written something, but you don't know all the details that you yeah. just wrote, if that makes any sense. Oh no, it completely it, does. It almost is like you're, you're Michael Jordan at the free throw line. Like you're, you're in the zone. You're just focused on that. You're, you're telling the story. But uh, somebody just asked me the other day, they asked me about the character, Brenda in more detail. And I, I was like, Brenda, I don't remember what, and then it took me a while to say, oh, Denise's girlfriend, Brenda, and all this whole, and I, yeah. I'm like, okay, I got it. It just took yeah. me a while to get there. <laughs> you know, it's funny. That stuff even happens in, um, in like nonfiction books too. You know, I, uh, I was listening to uh, Robert Greene, who I'm a big fan of. I think well, a lot of people are a big fan of Robert Greene, but I'm reading, I'm like three quarters of the way through Mastery because it's okay. essentially like a, it's like a college textbook um, on being awesome. Um, but, but it's a lot, you know, and he was telling a story on, he was on Joe Rogan's podcast and he was telling a story and, um, and then uh, Rogan followed up with a question and literally he had to be like, I don't remember. It sounds like something I wrote, but I don't remember exactly what you're talking about. And it's just, you know, I can see it. Like it's so dense and you're telling these stories and he just was like, I'm, I believe that I wrote that, but I have no ability I, to recall it for you. That's so, that, what's, that's so funny. I was on a, a podcast like this, but they, it was a live thing. Yeah. So they're doing the whole thing live. And this was when Epic Content Marketing came out in 2013. And there's a chapter on the six aspects of Epic Content Marketing. And the host said, Joe, we love Epic Content Marketing. In chapter whatever, you talk about the six aspects of epic content marketing. Can you quickly run through those? And I'm like, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. But the six, I can name up four of them. I yeah. All six? Yes. Yeah. I can't. How about I, you I tell me really, what they were? <laughs> I said, I can't really. So I didn't say I can't remember. I said, well, I don't want to go through all six right now. But here's here's the three key ones that I would <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember. So good. Oh, so that's true, great. Man. That is great. I love that. I, um, someone called me out the other day because I, uh, I have like this story that I tell and, um, it's just like a, whatever, but it's a story that fits kind of what I'm trying to do a lot of times. So I tell the story a lot and they're like, you know, the last time you told that story, it was different than this time. And I was like, I was like, I gotta be honest. I literally said to them, um, I said, you know, at this point, if you told me that that story didn't even happen, I, I might believe you. <laughs> okay, here, we're really going off the rails here, but this, but this is right to your point. Have you, have you listened to any Revisionist History by Malcolm Gladwell? Some of it, yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. There is a, there's a whole uh, episode on Brian Williams and the whole thing that happened with Brian Williams about being in the helicopter and yep. caught in a lie or what a, a lie. It is fascinating because it talks about memory and how we our memories absolutely change and how he believed that Brian Williams didn't lie 
but as his memory changed, he actually started to believe that he, as he told that story over 10 years, yeah, he started, he believed that he was on that plane in that position. And it's, and then they just talk about what people say about memory and how we forget most things. And it, but it, I mean, think about that. I completely, we're, te- we're telling stories right now that we believe in our hearts is true, but really didn't happen that way because we've been telling them for 20 years. That's it, There is, I, <laughs> I I uh I would I 100% believe that. I mean especially I'll tell you this is especially true um I think when you when you create as much as say like you or I do like you you just you get into the flow and sometimes you inject little bits into the narrative that for whatever reason make it sound more exciting for the audience and um and and, and again you're not lying nor are you trying to be dishonest in any way but you're just in that moment and you're like and you come out and you're like I'm hoping 80% of that was what actually happened. But, you know, I guess if you're trying, if the point of the story is to help move someone or entertain them or whatever, then if a few little pieces are off, you know, should we hold people accountable? I don't know. It would be, I would be, I would be definitely be hypocritical for me to hold anyone accountable to that. Cause I know that there are aspects of things that I, that have morphed. And today I couldn't even tell you what the truth was. Well, that's, that's the issue, isn't it? Because I remember, I, I always tell the story, of when we did the pivot for Content Marketing Institute. This was in September of 2009, if my memory serves me yeah, correctly. Yeah. And we go, um, I, got, I got a rejection call for a service that we were trying to sell, and basically that was it. It told me that the current model wasn't working, we had to go to this new model. Well, when I tell that story, in my head, it all happens very quickly. I get the no, I go into the backyard, I'm feeling sorry for myself. Very quickly after that, I write down on a cocktail napkin, which I don't know where I got, but in my mind, I said, it's a cocktail napkin, so I think I was drinking. But I, I was at home, so I don't know how that works unless I serve myself a cocktail napkin. And I wrote down the model for what became Content Marketing Institute. Like, very god oh my god it's amazing that's the story i don't really know how that whole thing happened <laughs> i know the th- i know that it happened i don't know the time i, I can't even get yeah. into that detail anymore and that happened you know almost 11 years ago now so i i know. like that visual though like you come down you're very sober you make yourself this really professional drink with the cocktail naping <laughs> in the backyard. You're contemplating life. The sun is shining. The birds are chirping. You know, you're in your Zen moment. Like I, I like that. The, the muse plops yeah. onto your shoulder and gives you this idea. Like there's a whole, there's a whole, oh, I go through it. And when I, you know, when I'm on stage and I'm leaning into it because I'm going, I'm, I'm in the backyard and I've got a wife and two small kids and I don't know how I'm going to take care of them anymore. And I'm feeling, I feel so emotional about it and I don't know where to turn. And I've made a horrible mis- mistake by starting this business in the first place and go through the whole thing yeah, yeah. as we go. And then got the revelation of there's a better way. Just got that marketing <laughs> institute. Woo. So, yeah. uh, okay. So tell me a little bit about, and, um, we just got a couple of minutes here, but I do have a couple more questions about, um, about the book. Yeah. And my questions are, um, around like the, so launching a fiction novel versus launching a nonfiction, um, book. Uh, what are, what are some of the differences between like putting them out into the marketplace? We, we talked a little bit about the beginning about you're building a new email list, which is specific yeah. to, to, you know, kind of, 
maybe tailored more towards uh, a community of people who would be interested in that. Um, but w what other things are you doing that, that maybe you wouldn't have done uh, with some of your previous work? Sure. The, the, the launching of, if you just look at how most people launch a fiction and a nonfiction, it's very, very similar. It takes, if you're working with an agent and then working with a publisher, the process is long. So it's, it's, you're at least 12 to 18 months out from acceptance of, of that proposal until you see, and they almost, and then you launch everything at the same time. I launched the audiobook, the ebook, and the print book all at the same time. That's what I did with the last three of, uh, published uh, nonfiction published with McGraw Hill. That's the way we did. And I, when I did research on how people launch novels, it's pretty much the same. If you launch in with a traditional uh, company, which we did not traditional publisher, like a Simon and Schuster or whatever takes a long time. They launch them all at the same time, big lead up three month marketing time up to that point. And then if you are a self-published author, you're basically focusing on the e Amazon ebook and then you might launch a companion um, audible version of it. So everything's on Amazon there. Now, a couple things with this whole thing. First of all, I had a pretty good marketing. I still probably do have a pretty good audience of marketers that follow me and especially on the social media channels, but I don't have anybody that follows me for what I, you know, nobody even knows that I'm writing this is a whole new thing so i'm figuring out how do i build an audience with this thing so keep that there i, I have no audience i have just people that like my marketing stuff great that doesn't mean anything when i'm launching a fiction novel but then as i'm doing research on how to launch a fiction novel i honestly ran i got frustrated because everyone does it exactly the same yeah they launch. i'm like you are in most of the time you are just beholden to amazon you got to focus on Amazon this, Amazon that, because if you don't bow before Amazon, nothing's going to work. And I'm just like, there's got to be another way. And I'm actually, I was desperate to look for case studies of authors out there just trying different things. Not much out there. Yeah. Everybody's pretty much doing it the same. So I said, okay. And if anybody knows how I go out and when I talk about content marketing, I talk about brands, businesses, launching whatever you're going to launch from a content marketing perspective, launching it on one platform and focusing on that one. So if you're going to launch a podcast, you're all in on that podcast. You're not launching six other things at the same time. You're going to create one great thing. You market it using other things, but you have one thing that draws them in instead of everything at the same time. But that's what everyone's doing in book publishing. They're launching it. Oh, we're going to launch it on an audio. We're going to launch it in print an ebook all at the same time, which I'm like, I, I think there might be a better way to do it. So I'm taking this, I have no audience. And I think there, if you focus on one channel only and just focus all your energy on that, I think the results might be better than if you did it on every channel at the same time. So that's what I decided. We, we, I say we, my wife and I, but I decided to do this and say, okay, let's do one channel only. I'm going to launch in just audio and see how that goes. And second thing is, I have an audience. I need people to try this thing. So let's give it away for free. So that's what we decided to do. So the you know, book launched on launches whenever people listen to this, December 4th. And for four months, I'm going to give it away completely for free on pod, any podcast channel. So whatever you listen to podcasts with, whether it's Apple or Google or Stitcher or Overcast or whatever, it's going to be available. Spotify, it's going to be there. 
And I thought the best way to build that audience is just to give it away and see, and just focus on audio. Now I've had some people tell me, Joe, I only read books in print or I only read books. I'm like, that's fine. Um, then this is not for you. I'm focusing on a very specific audience of trying to move my audience of marketers that already know me and taking those that listen to podcasts that like thrillers. No, so this is a very niche play from a marketing standpoint. So instead of just saying, I'm going after thriller lovers, I'm saying I'm going after this group of people, which I still think if I focus on that as my true fans, that I can make this thing successful Yeah, and see it grow. So that's the crazy way we're launching it. I don't I have the results it. yet, but we'll see. I love it. Um, I read Content Warfare, my, my book that I launched in 2014. Um, I read that as podcast episodes, chapter by chapter, 23 chapters. I launched it for free on, on the content warfare podcast thing that we were talking about yeah. the feed or whatever. Yeah. I, it, I, dude, it, that is, you are, I think you're on right? something you'll know. I mean, you're, you'll know when it launches no. and it, I, but I will tell you that my gut and just, I think, I think you're really onto something because I'm assuming this won't be the only book you write um, in the series. And to show that amount of value up front, one, it's, it's what you've preached for a decade plus now. And two, so it's, it's very much by your uh, morals, your value, your, your methodology. So it, it fits. And two, um, it isn't, you know, no, the idea of a novelist giving their work away for free is so foreign outside of the ebook, 99 cent ebook. Oh, it's free for the next three hours thing that they yeah. do. Um, which I, I, to me, has been done for so long now that it feels valueless. There's no, you're just pumping your numbers up, but no one's actually reading that book. No one's actually falling in love with the characters in the world that you created. Um, you know, this is, this is gonna sound, so I have, oh, I'm, I'm incredibly envious to a certain extent, even though I know the, the torture that you went through to create this thing, only because I, I have, um, I, I really would love to write fiction. Uh, I've read science fiction for, 38 years now or whatever, whenever I started reading to however old I am now. And um, I've always wanted to create this world. And I, I do, uh, when I'm on long drives, I, have, I create the world, I talk the world into my phone, nice. um, which is really cool because you yeah. just capture ideas and scenes. I'll capture scenes, this character talking to this character. And uh, <laughs> this is, a, I, I tend to ramble, but um, my... Uh, my son listens to my talk to text because he likes to play with it. And the other day, so my wife doesn't know that I do this. No one knows that I have this world that I have created yeah. and talk to text on my phone. And he starts playing one and it's me like, you know, talking about where the characters are and how they're interacting. And he's like, what's this dad? And I'm like, turn that off. <laughs> That's awesome. I don't want anyone to know that that exists. That's great. But yeah. um, what I've always wanted to do, what I think would be a great idea for a newsletter, because it's something that as a, as a fan of certain worlds, I would have loved to have seen, is um, conversations that only exist in that newsletter. So you had mentioned Brenda and uh, Jimmy Miller or Jim Miller or whatever uh, the guy's yeah. name was. Like, if there's a conversation that they could have about something pertinent to the book that's actually not in the book and won't be in the next book, but actually pulls them in or explains something that happened, but it's only, the only way you see that conversation, which could literally be like three sentences, hopefully cryptic with a cliffhanger that, that doesn't yeah. give you the answer, but pulls you in. But it, like that type of original, but 
you know, vanishing content to a certain I've always been like, man, there are pieces of books that authors could fill in around like what Star Wars is doing with their, yeah. with their movies, but not full, full thing. Well, you're not, it's a, you're not far off because the thought is, so if you, let's say you're on Apple, is that's how you listen to your podcast. You go to Apple podcast, hopefully you subscribe to the will to die and you get all 42, you get the trailer, all 42 chapters and you get the instructions and the bonus chapter, which I just put in because people were starting with the epilogue. So I need them to start with the prologue. But yeah. anyway, so I just did that. And so I'm working on Will Pollitt. Will Pollitt's the main character in The World of Die. Will Pollitt's book two right now. And if I continue to do this, the thought is, to your point, every you know couple weeks a month, I'll throw in like a little episode, little chapter yeah. leading to, you don't have to wait for, this is it. It's coming here. I can lead them in and keep them going and keep them hooked. And then hopefully, let's say this time next year, book two comes out and they're already subscribed. Yeah. And we're moving them. But I don't know yet. I mean, this is all a big, big experiment. I, I, don't know, I don't know if it's going to work. I, yeah, I, I love that idea, man. I, 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 feel like, I feel like the reason people are so Star Wars crazy right now and, and Avengers crazy and what they did really well that can be done on a smaller scale for worlds like you're creating and, and the worlds that I appreciate that I would love for some of the authors that I read to do um, uh, is, is these, just give me these little glimpses into what their life is really like, or like those scenes at the end of Avengers movies that you have to wait till the credits end and people like make fun of them, but I love them. Like at the end yeah. of the first oh, Avengers yeah, where like they're all sitting around eating McDonald's and like the blown up McDonald's and you're like, you know what? after you just had an epic battle with an army of aliens, you'd probably want to mow a Big Mac and a Coke and just like chill out with your leg on a table. Like that's probably what you would do. That's so exactly right. I just think those things are so interesting. I, dude, I, um, I want to be respectful of your time and, uh, and we have chatted about a whole bunch of things. I'm so incredibly happy for you. It's, um, you know, it's, it's, it's really, uh, I think the way the professionalism in which you handled yourself forever is, is, is very admirable. And, and it's uh, exciting to watch you transition into this next phase. I'm sure this won't be the only thing you do, but um, the fact that you are tapping into a whole new vein of creativity um, is something I think many people uh, uh, would be envious of and, and would celebrate that, that you uh, that you've actually gone through the work. I think everyone daydreams, but doesn't actually do it and you've done it. And I think that's amazing. So um, so for uh, the will to die, where you know uh, this will come out on the day that everything yeah. is launching, so we'll have by that the, all timed out. But yeah, where by, do by, they by go the time, right by now? the exactly by the time anyone watches this, yep. go, go to thewilltodie.com, okay, and you can download it for free until March third or March uh, March fourth. Yeah, but anyways, thewilltodie.com, you can get okay. it on whatever player that you want to. Absolutely. Gotcha. So either go there directly or if for some reason you can't remember this, go to my site. I'll have it linked up. You can go there too, but go to the will to die.com. Dude, uh, as always, man, it is such a pleasure to spend time with you. Absolutely. It's been fun. Thank you so much. And looking forward to your next thing. Yeah. Building. This is going to be great. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, brother. Thank you.